Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and today I'm back in studio to tell you what the Bible says about divine healing, which is why I really enjoy teaching from the studio is I can't see anybody's faces staring blankly at me, uh, which is normally what happens when I preach. Paul said, I long to share with you meat, but I was only, you were only able to handle milk. And a lot of times I'll launch out into like an eight-point thing on, on healing, and you get to the first point, and you can just tell people have never heard anything before, and obviously not to get back into um, the lockdowns, but you just know that generally, obviously even among Christian leaders, there is a, a major drought of knowledge about what the Bible says about healing. Because the Bible connotates, this is the book that the Lord had me uh, to write just before the pandemic hit, Dominion Over Sickness and Disease, because even before the pandemic hit, I could tell people were missing uh, that element of Christianity. I want you, if you have your Bible, to turn to Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to endeavor today what does the Bible say about divine healing? And I want you, if you would, to write that in the comments. Divine healing. That's what we're going to talk about. God's kind of healing is divine healing. If you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to give you six things about healing, or I'll try to in the time that we have together. Glad to see Adrea, Angela, Gina on the app, Victoria, Daniel, Lyle. Would love to see where you're writing from. And then I'm, I'm going to pray for everybody at the end, too. If you're battling something in your body... This isn't a lecture on healing. God's word is God's medicine. Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse one. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, I know if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus said to him, I want to or I am willing, be healed. Write that in the comments if you would. I'm willing, be healed. Acts 10.34, God is no respecter of persons. Peter said, I see very clearly that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God is no respecter of persons. You can write that in the comments and in your notes. Very important. These are all, these are all foundational scriptures and concepts to walk in faith. You can be a believing Christian or you can be an, uh, well, I don't know if you can stay a Christian if you have unbelief, but you can definitely have unbelief in areas. And so these are, if you want to be a faith person, a person that talks right, part of what attracted you to our ministry was you had been around Christians that talk negative and then you never heard somebody talk like me before. Things are going to get brighter. You're going to have the best six months you've ever had in your life. What your tithe is, uh, what your full income today is, will be your tithe check in the future. You never heard anybody talk like that. 
but it obviously didn't hit your spirit wrong. You thought, hey, that, that sounds right to me. I like that kind of talking. I remember that's what happened to me when I was a, a kid. Give me a second to drink this. In Pentecostal church, they were always talking about the devil, what the devil has planned, what the devil's going to do. And we had an evangelist come to our church that was a faith guy. And he, I remember he said, there was a book out at the time, it said, the devil, the title of the book was, The Devil is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. And that preacher said, I heard there's a book called The Devil is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. I'm starting to write a book called The Devil's Sick and Getting Ready to Die on Planet Earth. I never heard anybody talk disrespectfully to the devil like that. And then how he talked about healing. It was just different. So one of the faith principles that goes even beyond healing, it's, it's a God principle. Acts 10.34 in the scriptures, Peter said, I see very clearly that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God is no respecter of persons. If you're a drunkard, you'll go to hell regardless of who you are. If you commit sexual immorality, God doesn't care if you've been a missionary for 30 years. He doesn't respect people based on their income or what they've accomplished. And then you can write this underneath God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he does for anyone. Or you can write what God does for one, he does for all. So when Jesus told that leper, I'm willing, be thou made whole, he can't tell that leper that and then feel differently about you. When he answered that leper, he answered all of us. I'm willing, be healed. And instantly, everybody write instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. There he is willing again. I mean, anybody that would ever in a religious setting, like in a Christian setting, try to get you to believe that God has some kind of will with you staying sick. They're, they're lying. They're a clown. I mean, it's insane. It's, it's a complete misrepresentation of Scripture. Good to see you, Pastor Phil in New Brunswick. Love you, man. The officer said, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are. Listen to that. Just speak the word. From where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this. That many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. 
But many Israelites, those from whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Listen to this. Because you have believed, it has happened. Let me see how that got printed in the King James. Because you have what you have believed has happened. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, not in all of Israel. Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And that's a concept that I'm going to spend today on with you. So we'll make that our scripture for today. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. The law of faith. <laughs> Hold on. I was reading Dick's notes. You know, Catholic, back in the 60s when this was written, Catholics hated Pentecostals, and Pentecostals pretty much felt the same. So it makes me laugh. I was reading the next note. It says in verse 14, and when Peter was coming, or when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And Dake wrote in the notes, Peter was a family man, so he could not have started celibacy in the Roman church. <laughs> Just taking a little shot there, but it's true. Peter, Peter, who they call the first pope, had a wife. As what thou hast, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto you. Oh, Rian's back from Iraq. That's great. Good to see you on. And then I want you to make it personal. What I believe, and I'll add to that, because it's not out of the scriptures to add to it, though Jesus didn't say it. What I believe and what I speak is what I'll have. What I believe, hey mom, good to see you. What I believe and what I speak is what I'll have. Because notice, how did Jesus know what that man believed? He spoke authoritatively to Christ. No, you don't even have to come to my house. I know who you are. Just say the word from where you are right now, and I know my servant will be made well. I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. So faith speaks. 2 Corinthians, hmm, is it 4? I think it's 4. Might be 4, 8. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We have the same spirit. Might be 4, 7. We have the same spirit of faith that the psalmist had who said, I believe God and so I speak. We have the same spirit of faith the psalmist had who said, I believe God and so I speak. Faith speaks. The real faith is the speaking faith. Guys, if you would, go on my Twitter account, unless you already have it queued up for some reason. Uh, get that video of the guy that I played 
that, that's turning himself into like some kind of lizard or whatever. You know what I mean? It's very jarring. You should, I haven't tweeted that much in the last couple of days, so it shouldn't be too far back. It's a video, and just get that video ready for me for later. I'm going to play it on the, on the broadcast. Go back home. What you have believed has happened. What you believe and speak takes place. But remember, Jesus taught in Mark 11, 23 and 24, you don't, you have to believe it and speak it first, and then you have it. In fact, if you go to Mark 11, verse 23, which I, I might as well flip over. Because if you're going to talk about faith, you're pretty much going to end up here. I, Jesus, Mark eleven twenty three. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and your command will be obeyed. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Let's do the King James. Thanks. For verily, Mark eleven twenty three, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he saith. As much as your confession is made like a side thing, if anybody even covers it at all, notice that Jesus spoke about what you say in his discourse on faith three times and what you believe one time. Because your speaking affects your believing. Dr. Mike Murdoch has that saying, say right words until right feelings come. It's not the opposite. Most people just say, they, they let their feelings dictate what they speak or what's happening. No, I know the Bible says that, but I'm poor. Yeah, and you're going to stay poor because you have a poor brain that can hear the word of God and then actually instead of using the, your mouth to amplify what God says, you use your mouth to override what God says. Think of that. And you're going to do one or the other. Your mouth will either be used to amplify what God said and, and then that causes it to pass, come to pass. Or your mouth will be used to override what God said, which is in, people do that. It's, it's all through the Bible. Second Kings chapter 7. Elisha said, by this time tomorrow, this famine will be over. The assistant to the king said, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Well, he paid a penalty. He never got to eat. He died. And Elisha saw the miracle that his mouth produced and then kept doing more miracles for, for uh, six more chapters.
What you believe and what you speak is powerful. It gets God's attention. A blind man started shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, he didn't have to say Son of David. He could have said this this bastard thinks he's the Messiah. That's what the Pharisees said. Always talking about, they didn't believe his mother got pregnant by the power of God. We know who our father is. You're the one who doesn't know who your father is. So they didn't receive him. That man, he didn't say that. He said, you son, thou son of David. What was he saying? I believe you're the Messiah. Not I think you're a good teacher. Not I think it's cool that you heal people. I believe you're the, you're the redemptive Messiah that's come to rescue us. Have mercy on me. I want to receive my sight. I believe you can do anything. Gets God's attention. Jesus isn't walking by your house today or your living room or wherever you're watching, but he's omnipresent and omniscient. So what you say grabs him or repels him. Angela said, just to give hope, God healed my daughter of epilepsy. She is seizure-free and no longer on any medication. Praise the Lord Almighty, all glory to him. I'm, I'm believing there's going to be a lot of testimonies like that just off of this broadcast. I'm going to pray for everybody at the end. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing your testimony, Angela. Marley said, my daughter's testimony is going to rock the special education community, and we're excited. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read uh, what happened, Marley, but I'm looking forward to reading it. Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus spoke of what you believe once and what you speak three times. I would say 20% of what I say when I'm preaching at a church isn't for the crowd, it's for me, just to say it. Kenneth Hagin said, any doctrine you preach, you get to reap the benefit of it first. Verse 14, Matthew 8, 14. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. I want you to make that personal and write it down. He took my sickness and he removed my disease. Part of what Jesus did when he came to the earth is he took, not he's going to take, he took everything the devil ever wanted to lay on me, Christ took it and removed it. So I can't have it. He has it. He took it and he buried it. It doesn't belong to me. Diabetes doesn't belong to me. Blood disorders don't belong to me. Heart problems don't belong to me now. And I won't start making room for heart problems when I turn 68 or 62 or whatever. He took, not will take, 
not is taking. He, he fulfilled, past tense, he's already fulfilled it. What was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, that he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. And notice that's in the context of 16 straight verses of healing, physical healing. Jesus, in his redemptive work, hallelujah, accomplished healing for our body. And not, how many know he'll heal you when you get sick? No, that's not what it says. It says he took, I don't have to get sick. I can be healed, I can stay healed, and then I can dominate sickness and disease as a Christian. These signs will not follow evangelists or apostles. These signs will follow all who believe. Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. They will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. Mark 16. James chapter 5. Are any among you sick? They should call on the elders of the church and have them anoint them with oil. And their prayer offered in faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Any sickness. You know, uh, are any among you sick? They should call on the elders of the church is the opposite of stay home. Please stay home if you're sick. You can't, it's not Christianity if you leave this out. Healing is not a part of Christianity. Healing is Christianity. How can you be in a denomination where you tell people that we need to be like Christ, but there's no healing? That's like telling somebody to be like Tiger Woods, but no golfing. Be like Jerry Seinfeld, but no comedy. Be like LeBron James, but no basketball. Christ is a healer. It's not something he did, it's who he was. Thanks, Carol. Such nice words today. You know, something just came to me. Bishop Oyedepo has a brand new book out. It's called, I think, I'm going to butcher it, but you guys will find it. God can heal anything, or God heals everything, including coronavirus. Which I love that he did that just to cause problems, because they don't want you saying that. I'm going to send everybody who gives today $100 or more. So I'll give you a target. I'm going to send you my book, Dominion Over Sickness and Disease. I'm going to send you T.L. Osborne's book, Healing the Sick. Used to be called Healing the Sick and Casting Out Devils, back when he first wrote it. And then I'm going to send you Bishop Oyedepo's book, and that'll be the healing pack for today. That way you can keep your healing instead of just getting it through prayer and then losing it because you, you don't have any understanding. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People don't know anything about healing. Christians don't know anything about healing. But that won't be you. Thanks, Latham. Nice, very kind, encouraging words. I could, I could stay with you people all day, but I'm not. Well, I told you I was going to give you some fundamentals about divine healing. Number one, very important, he, sickness is connected to the devil. 
So get a picture of that book if you would, but don't put it up till the end. Sickness is connected to the devil. It's not God. God doesn't give people cancer to teach them to appreciate life. You know, I never appreciated life until I had cancer. Well, I'm glad you appreciate life now, but I've never had cancer, and I, you couldn't appreciate life more than me. I have a hard time. Did you ever have a little kid? You, how many in the comments, did you ever raise a little kid and you can't get them to go to bed because they're just like so excited? They want to play with their toys. They just want, and you tell them, yeah, there's tomorrow, go to sleep. They don't want to go to sleep. That's me. I went to bed at 7.20 in the morning, two mornings ago, and I went to bed at, a little earlier this morning at 6.10 in the morning, just having fun. I don't want to, you know, I'm only going to be home for a few days, and then there's stuff I like to do when I go home that I don't get to do on the road in my house. You don't have to get sick to appreciate life. You don't have to get uh, leukemia to appreciate, I don't, I don't know. I'll, Jesus never, never gave like religious platitudes to people that were sick. Well, just remember, this will humble you. That's, that's all. What, what ends up happening is when you can't he, get people healed, you have to start making an allowance for them to be sick. Sickness is of the devil. You can write this great quote down. Ah, that's that guy's name, Australian. John Alexander Daly. Praise the Lord, Johnny. Great, great comments today. John Alexander Daly said, Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother's sin. There was no sickness in the Garden of Eden. There's not going to be any children's hospitals in heaven. It's not part of God's plan for man. Think of that. I can know, I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in God's plan for my life, and God does have a plan for my life, God has a plan for Nick's life, God has a plan for your life, I know from the Word there's no plan there's nothing in God's plan for me that involves sickness and disease except me healing it by his power and by his word. That's it. That's it. God has not set aside a two-year period of my life where I have to battle through a disease and cancel my meetings. That's not in his plan. I'm sure it's in the devil's plan, but the Bible says in James, uh, submit yourselves unto God, therefore, brethren, resist the devil and he will flee. I don't have to battle him. I just have to resist him. And the word gives you a resistance to the devil's plan. Now, I'm not being sick. I'm not being depressed. It's not in God's plan for me. That's right, Rick. God has good plans for me. Sickness is of the devil. Job 2.7. Then Satan went forth from the presence of God and smote Job with boils. Satan was at the back of Job's sickness. If Job went to get tested, they wouldn't have known that. They would have said, your blood is inflamed, and now it's starting to blister on the skin, and um, that can be caused by whatever. But the, at back, there was a spiritual root 
to sickness. Jesus dealt with sickness spiritually. And I'll get to that. Sickness is of the devil. When you understand that, you'll have a proper hatred for sickness. My father, I was going to say had a saying, but he's not dead, he's alive, so I'm sure he still has the saying as he preaches. You'll never get delivered from a sin you're not disgusted with. Um, I like to drink, and I just, I really wish the Lord would help me. You can tell there's no disgust. When people, when you hate, I'm done being like this. You get delivered. And then it's the same with sickness and disease. You'll never get delivered of sickness until you're disgusted with it. If you like having your little tag you have on your car, you know, I'm actually a Walgreens um, Platinum member where my medication's 20%. As long as you have like a soft spot in your heart for sickness, it'll stay. If you make a little room, it'll stay. You start calling yourself part of the deaf community, you know, you're not, you're, you're not going to seek out to get, you, to get your ears open. You'll never get delivered from a sickness you're not disgusted with. And understanding that sickness comes from the devil makes you have a harsh resistance to it. And people that were used greatly of God to minister to the sick had a much harsher view of sickness than what you normally hear. I remember John G. Lake in his book, uh, God Man, and other sermons. They've changed the title since. I can't remember what it is now. But the, I think they even took that one sermon on the God Man out because it's too much for people. It changed my life when I was 19. John G. Lake said, it's no more offensive to God for a man to be involved in adultery than it is for a man to be sick because both things come from Satan and he redeemed them from both things and both don't belong in his life. So see, what happens is, as a Christian, which thanks, thanks to the algorithms, hey, Mitch, Great to see you, brother. Doing a great job in, in Ireland. Ireland, right? Doing a great job preaching. All, preached all during the lockdown. He's a good guy. Looks like he could handle himself in a fight, too. I'm sure he doesn't do that much anymore. But I wouldn't mess with him. If you see that guy in the comments, Mitch Belfast, he's a good evangelist. He's a, he's a very kind man, too. If, you're, if you started getting, think of this. If somebody tried to introduce cocaine to you as a Christian, you'd say, no, I don't do that. Because you've, been in, you've had it ingrained in you for the entire time you've been saved that we don't do drugs. We don't gamble. We don't curse. You've been told that over and over again. So if somebody tries to introduce that to you, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't do cocaine. But then, ear infection, if that starts to get introduced to you, yeah, I've, um, 
ever since I was a child, I've had ear infections, and I usually get them in the in the when the temperature changes in the winter. So you have a resistance to the one thing because you know it's of the devil. You know it's from hell. But the other thing you think's normal, a normal part of life. Well, you know, there's other people that think doing cocaine's normal. They're called salesmen. No. There's people that think adultery's normal. Yeah, come on. You don't, you don't marry someone before you sleep with them. You don't just sleep with your wife. Come on, have some fun. So why? They don't know the word. You should have an equal rejection to both things. No, I, sickness does not belong in my body because sickness is of the devil. And Christ came to destroy the works of the devil and it doesn't have a home in my life. Sickness doesn't have a home in my life. Sickness does not have a home in my family. I hate it. You pray differently when you hate something. Oh, God, just give us healing, we ask. No. You, I rebuke it. Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. He addressed, think of that. He addressed the fever as a personality. He spoke to fever. Jesus rebuked the fever in Peter's mother-in-law. In Matthew, it said it took her hand. But in the other instance, in the Gospels, it said he rebuked the fever. He rebuked uh, evil spirits, spirit of infirmity. Jesus, is Jesus dumb? Or was Jesus, when he walked the earth, all wise? He was all wise. Notice he never gave anybody a hard time for saying something was caused by a demon. No, I know you people think everything's caused by demons because it's the first century. But you'll see as science progresses that actually... No, actually, as science has progressed, people are the sickest they've ever been. New sicknesses all the time because it, it's, it's spiritual. That's why the work Christ did to redeem us from it was spiritual. He shed blood. They don't do that to treat sickness because they don't know about that realm. The doctor's never going to say, listen, we found a, a cancerous mass in your breast, so I'm going to beat the, the nurse's back 39 times with a whip, and then as she bleeds, you'll get better. No. He dealt, God dealt with it differently because it, the source of sickness is spiritual. You know, if, if, if you, let's say I ballooned to 370 pounds, which if I stayed in St. Louis or Dallas for a few weeks would probably be all it would take. Let's say I ballooned to 370 pounds and I kept getting liposuction done. And then you sat down with me and said, no, I, you know, you don't. And I said, man, I can't, it's expensive. I have to keep getting liposuction down, done because I keep ballooning to 370 pounds. And he said, Jonathan, you're, look at what you're eating while you're in St. Louis or, or Dallas. That's the problem. You need to deal with that. Th then the fat is an outgrowth 
of your lack of movement. So the liposuction is treating is not treating the source. It's treating like the effect of something bad. That's what medication and all that does. You're not dealing with it at the root. Jesus laid an axe. Listen, Jesus laid an axe to the root of sickness and disease. We're not anti-doctor. I was going to say we're not anti-medication. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I am. Because medication isn't what, it's not penicillin and polio vaccine anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry to get you hooked on drugs from the cradle to the grave. Look, I'll give you another example. If my back hurts, I can take Advil. But that, that, that's not dealing with the root of the problem. I might need to stretch. I might need to, to start working out. You know, or do, that deals with the actual root. Jesus didn't treat the symptoms. Jesus dealt with the root. The root is the devil. Acts 10.38. No, uh, no doubt you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Acts 10.38. Note notes that every person Jesus healed was oppressed by the devil. Sickness and disease is demonic oppression. Acts 10.38. Job 2.7. Acts 10.38. Luke 13.16. Why should this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound? Before that, he said to the synagogue leader, you hypocrite, did you not untie your donkey to come to the synagogue today? So why should it be illegal for me to untie this woman whom Satan hath bound? Jesus spoke that when somebody's, the woman, the Bible says, was bent, doubled, and crippled up by an evil spirit. She had been wrapped with a disease, and Jesus unwrapped her. MRI machine would have shown bone abnormality. But Jesus dealt with it at the spiritual root. Job 2.7, Luke 13.16, Acts 10.38. Sickness is of the devil. 1 John 3.8. For this... I don't want to rush through it. 1 John 3.8. For this reason was the Son of God made manifest. Jesus came for this reason. For this reason was the Son of God made manifest, 1 John 3, 8, that he might destroy the work of the devil. Is sickness of the devil? Yes. Did Jesus come to destroy it? Yes. Do you see any instances in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus destroying sickness and disease? It's all he did. He treated it like an enemy. Because it's not in God's plan for man. Hey, Wally Horton. Good to see you, Pastor Wally. Had me in the preacher and I was like 27, I think. Sickness is of the devil. And Christ redeemed me 
and redeemed you from anything that the devil would want to do to me and do to you, including sickness. Write in the comments, I am redeemed. I'm feeling like I'm not going to get through all six. Turn to Exodus 15. Twenty-two. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled into this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Very creative. Verse 24. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw the wood into the water, and when he did, the wood made the water sweet to drink or good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, I will not make you or allow you to suffer any of the diseases that were sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Exodus 23. Verse 25. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water, or I'll bless your bread and water, and I'll protect you from illness. Not I'll heal you when you get sick. I'll protect you from illness. I'll give you another one. Psalm 105.37. These are all in the Old Testament. I'm going to show you something. This is going to be number two. I might only get number three in today. Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. He brought them out of Egypt loaded with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble, not, not there was no one sick, there wasn't any one weak in all the tribes of Israel that God brought out of Egypt. And then I love Dake's note. Is it here? I thought, I thought it was here. P. Oh, ten, page 1053 in the Dake's Bible. It says... Page 1053, a perfectly healthy nation. This is so powerful. Perfectly healthy nation. The reason there was not one feeble person in all their tribes was because God healed them at Marah. That's what we read. And then he put Exodus 15, 26. Such is the will of God for men under the new covenant, which is based on better promises. <laughs> so this is my second point. God had, 
God made provision to heal his children under the old covenant. And the new covenant is based on better, is a better covenant based on better promises. So if God healed all his people under the old covenant, how can somebody tell you under the new covenant of Christ, there's no healing anymore? That wouldn't make it a better covenant. That would make it a worse covenant. Then you should go back under the old, the old covenant would be better. Christ, you think the Son of God left heaven to give man a worse covenant? This covenant is more glorious in power and provision than the old Mosaic covenant. 2 Corinthians 3, 6-15. It is to the shame of the church to fall so far behind Israel in receiving promised benefits. Is it not logical that new covenant ministers and saints should meet the physical and spiritual qualifications of the old covenant? Is the old covenant the better of the two? Are its provisions and promises better? If so, then we should go back under the old covenant. What then is wrong with the church that it does not get the superior blessing of the new covenant? Could it not be one because of unbelief? Matthew 17, 20, Hebrews eleven six, James 1, 5 to 8, and 2, because of widespread rebellion against such teaching. But surely it's not because God has lost his power or does not care to live up to his obligations made in the new covenant. Case closed. How uh, Three million people, and not one was, was weak. 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds, nobody was weak. Why? They were all baptized in the cloud unto Moses. We have been baptized in water unto Christ. How could that whole nation... And when Christ enact, enacted the, the new covenant, it was working like that in the first century. James chapter 5. Are any among you sick? When James wrote his instructions for healing, he wasn't even sure that he had an audience. Are any, is anybody left sick? I don't even know. But in case there is, do this and you'll be healed. They laid the sick on mats that perhaps Peter's shadow might fall across them and they'd be healed. When I was first starting out in the ministry, if somebody didn't believe in healing that was in the ministry, I would like argue with them or, you know, explain it to them. If somebody tells me now, like, they don't believe in healing, it, I just like laugh. I can't even speak, I can't even like lower my mind to the level to engage with them. <laughs> Literally, if somebody tells me they don't believe in healing that's a minister, I just let, I'll just like, oh, <laughs> you are, you know, 
Now, I'm saying if someone tells me that, if somebody wants to learn, they say, listen, I've never been taught that. Can you tell me about it? I'll tell them. But if so, you know, I don't, I actually don't believe that God heals. <laughs> okay. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Have you read this ever? This, this uh, black leather book, it's called The Bible. There's nonstop healing in it. I just read the out of Exodus healing. That's the second book of the Bible. It's the whole thing, man, is raising people from the dead. Naaman healed of leprosy, spiritually. God made provision. So my second point, number one, sicknesses of the devil. Number two, God made provision even in the old covenant. And we're now in a new covenant based on better promises. And then I'll close with this quickly. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Again, you know, we're going to drop about 2 million on a church. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. So if you want to stand with me during this time to say thank you. Now, the Lord will give you a harvest. The books are not your harvest. It's my way of saying thank you. It's nice to know that the ministry got your, your seed and appreciated it. I've always felt that way. I always enjoyed that if I've done something for a ministry and I get something in the mail from them. You know, it's nice to know that, that you blessed them. Instead of, you know, it's like if you send somebody a, a gift and you never hear from them or it's like, huh, I wonder if they like the thing I got them or if they even got it. So that's, I do it to let you know I don't know, you know, to thank you, to let you know I appreciate you and that I don't take what you're doing for granted. So I got a pretty good set of stuff I'm going to give you today as a way of saying thank you for standing with us to build the church, feed children, all the, all the preacher stuff preachers do. My book, Dominion Over Sickness and Disease, Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne, and then this one is brand new. Jesus still heals all terminal diseases, including coronavirus. <laughs> I love that title. By Bishop David Oyedepo. So you have to wait a little bit because we've got to order the new one. Oh, that's where I saw you, William. That's awesome, UB. Mitch says, Dominion Over Sickness and Disease book. Read it and recommend it to all who are watching. Thanks. And as, as Mitch would tell you, you can read it and be done with it before your tea is done steeping. 50 pages. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Probably should save this for tomorrow, but I'm not. First Thessalonians 5.23, and the very God of peace 
sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I want you to write down, because what does that have to do with healing? Write down spirit, soul, and body. And then, sorry to overwork you, but I'm going to have you write something else down. Write down and say out loud, I am a spirit. I have a mind. I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul. Your soul is your mind, emotions, intellect, and will. And it's housed in a body. But you are not spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. If I killed your body, you wouldn't die. Your body would lay on this earth and your spirit would go up to be with the Lord if you're redeemed and if you've never repented it'd go down into hell the spirit lives forever once you're born you forever will be it is appointed Hebrews 9:27. it is appointed unto every man once to die and after that after that the judgment after life That's why all the health officials and everybody can kiss off. Doing what God says, don't actually care about any consequences here on earth. I care about consequences in the world to come. Truly don't care. Having said that, man is a spirit he has a mind and a soul, and he lives in a body. God, God's way of healing, listen to me carefully. God's way of healing is not through the body. And I'm talking about physical healing, but he doesn't heal your physical body through your body. Jesus never rubbed lotions on people that had leprosy. Jesus didn't do acupuncture. Jesus didn't give people a diagnostic quiz on what supplements they're taking or not taking. Jesus didn't heal through the body. Jesus didn't heal through the soul. That's what Christian, scien Christian uh, scientists do. Metaphysics. Meditate. Think on something. Get your mind in harmony with the earth, whatever. Jesus didn't heal with the mind. Jesus healed through the spirit.
And that's how God heals today. You say, what are you talking about? I believe that, but my body needs healed. It comes through your spirit. Because what's in your spirit will manifest in your body. I want you to write that down. I'm going to let you go in a couple minutes. Don't miss this last part. What's in your spirit will manifest in your body. Case in point, video. Because I am morphing through body modification into a human dragon. It's conceptual body art. And um, I'm also in the process of um, becoming a, a woman. I'm male to female transsexual. What's in your spirit will manifest in your body. If you have an unclean spirit, it'll manifest in your body. If you have a clean spirit, it'll manifest in your body. If you receive faith for healing in your spirit, it'll manifest in your body. I feel like sometimes the best way to convey positive concepts is to show the, the negative uh, side of it because people are more familiar with that. If somebody has an unclean spirit, you might not be able to tell a difference on day one, but if they, if they keep and cultivate a wicked, unclean spirit that's submerged in sin, it'll actually show on their appearance. You could take a random, listen to this, you could take a random whole... Holy Ghost preacher that I've never met and never seen and put a picture of him up and then put a random drug dealer. Okay, now how about this? How about something more subtle? A random guy that owns an adult movie theater or a strip club. And I guarantee you, I would be able to tell who's who from the picture 10 times out of 10. It manifests in your appearance. Do you ever see how clean and handsome a Holy Ghost preacher looks when they're like in their 80s? It's amazing. Rodney Howard Brown just turned 60. Put a picture of him up next to somebody that's giving themselves over to wicked things that's 45 and tell me who looks better. Jesus didn't heal through the body. That's why some of you have seen me get irritated before, how anytime you talk about healing, Christians start going to essential oils. No, that's true. God does want us healed. That's why I've been using the new lavender diffuser. That's not how Jesus healed. You're welcome to use a lavender diffuser. Knock yourself out. That's not healing. That's not Bible healing. Jesus didn't use lotions. Jesus didn't use medications. Jesus didn't use the, the mind, the soul to heal. Didn't have people focus. Didn't have people become one with the earth. Didn't have people do grounding, sit cross-legged on the raw dirt so the minerals of the earth could reconnect with you. That's not, I'm not knocking people... 
people have a hard time. So they think you're like, whatever, knock, knock yourself out. Do all that, do whatever you want. But that's not, Jesus healed. God healed the Father in the Old Covenant. He sent his word and it healed them. At Mara, Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from, from their destruction. The, where, where do you receive the word? Into your spirit. Faith comes by hearing the word. Then you speak the word. That's why Jesus demanded faith and signs of faith to participate in the way that he healed. Believest thou that I can make you see? Made him say, yes, Lord. What would you like me to do for you? Sir, I want to receive my sight. He made, a, he made them engage their faith. Mark chapter 6 and Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Spirit. The most neglected part of the American person. You get education. You go to the gym. You diet. You take supplements. But you do nothing for the thing that affects things the most. Not you, though. That's why I've been here for one hour. Because this is God's medicine for your physical body. I slept uh, three hours last night, and I came in here dragging, and I'm telling you, just reading the Bible. I'm, I'm amped. Attend unto my words, my son, for they are life unto your flesh and radiant health to your bones. Abraham, Romans 4, believed those things which were spoken to him by God, and his body became strong and was empowered by faith. Was Billy Graham a healing preacher? No. Did he have a daily life in the Word and believe what the Word says? Yes. And he lived an eternity, just shy of a hundred years. T.L. Osborne, 89, Oral Roberts, 92, Kenneth Hagin, the word is life. Life for your flesh. Jimmy Swaggart, 86, I got to visit him in his office. He had a yellow sheet, legal pad and two open Bibles when I came in. That's it. Attend unto my words, for they are life. My word is spirit, and it is life. Jesus spoke the word, and that same hour, the servant was healed. You fill your spirit full of perverseness, it'll affect your body. You'll be a middle-aged lizard person. But if you fill your spirit with God's word, it manifests in your appearance. Manifest joy. Manifest peace. Manifest strength. Hallelujah.
Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm ready to pray. What would you like God to do for you today? He had the blind man state it. You state it. What in your body would you like the Lord to do for you today? Lift both hands and receive. As his words have entered into you, they give you light. They give you life. They give you strength. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, be healed. Whatever health abnormalities, whatever health maladies, you battled before today. You battle them no more. This fulfills the word of the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our disease. Everything that would be called disease is removed from your body by the blood of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name. Healing in your home. Healing for your children. Marley, I send God's healing power into your daughter's central nervous system right now. You have what you say. In Jesus' name. If Jesus tarries, I pray she graduates top of her class in high school. Praise God. Now just lift your hands where you're at and begin to thank God and praise him out of your mouth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood that's made me whole. Thank you for the cross of Calvary that destroyed the hold of sickness and disease. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Man, I feel good. I don't know if you got any help today or not, but I know I sure did. Feeling good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must do that right now. Say this prayer with me from your heart and receive Christ and make him Lord of your life. Pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let me know you prayed in the comments. Right, I did. Let me see who I prayed with. Thank you, Carol. $200. Man, I was already feeling good. Now I'm $200 more happy. I know they say money doesn't make you happy, but 
Always has for me. Also, go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. Fill that out completely, and I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, Solis. God bless you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. If you enjoyed hearing this on healing, this is like 0.01% of what there is. You know, this book by T.L. Osborne, Healing the Sick, it answers uh, what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. 100 questions on sickness and disease. This is a masterpiece. This is its little brother that I wrote. And then Bishop Oyedepo's new book. This is a man who has people raised from the dead routinely in his ministry. They started 10,000 churches last year during lockdown. <laughs> Bishop David Oyedepo. Jesus still heals all terminal diseases, including coronavirus. My gift for anyone to you to say thank you for giving $100 or more with emphasis on the and more. If you do 1000 or more, we've always sent this to anybody who does that. Take Annotated Reference Bible. I read some of his notes. It's a great, great study Bible. So I'll throw that in with it if you do 1000 or more. Thank you for your generosity. This whole, these last 15 months have been insane how generous people have been to our ministry. And I thank you. That train thanks you. Guys, if you could, find out who owns that train company and let them know I teach every day at 11 and to tell the trains to hold up till I'm done. Here's the ways you can give. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Text RT to 50155. Cash app, dollar sign RT give. Venmo, at RT give. PayPal, revivaltoday.com slash PayPal. Cryptocurrency, you can scan that QR code, and then you can always, for all the ways, the easiest way, just go to revivaltoday.com and click Give Now. You can mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, one five three two nine. They named the town after me. Then don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim your offer. It ensures we have all your information to give you a tax receipt and your name and address to send you a gift. If you want to speak to a human being, a loving, compassionate human being, you can call that number 412-446-2700. Don't miss me, Omaha, Nebraska, Elevate Church. Sorry, 
Lincoln, Nebraska. Man, I bookmarked all the wrong restaurants in my Yelp then. Lincoln, Nebraska. How far is Lincoln from Omaha? I bet it's like really far, isn't it? Oh, hour and a half. Not that far. Listen, the point is I'll be in Nebraska. And I know how people are in that part of the United States. You guys drive six hours, no problem. Don't miss me. Lincoln, Nebraska, Elevate Church, Friday and Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday, 9.30 a.m., 6 p.m. If you've not yet, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at J.D. Shuttlesworth. And then I have a ton of new pot. And if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. I have a ton of new podcasts out with great guests. So if you've not checked out my podcast, just search Jonathan Shuttlesworth. App, etc. For myself, Nick, everybody here at Revival Today. <laughs> How are you to be addressed now? Doctor, pastor, evangelist? Thank you, Marley. Is it really the only time you will go to Nebraska? Well, I'm not saying that. But at the same time, I'm 40, and it's the first time I've gone. So at that pace, I, I might come one more time when I'm 80. So, I, you know, if you're around there, come see me. Don't, don't, don't write me like, um, when are you coming to North Dakota? Drive. Get out. I love you. How many of you felt God touch your body today? Let me see you. Emoji hand. Jonathan's fine. You can call me friend, whatever you want. I'm not, I've never been big on that. I've always felt Jonathan Shuttlesworth is a long enough name. I don't need more letters being added to it. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.